Fantasy Sports Radio Network. News update. In Major League Baseball, Tampa Bay Rays starter Blake Snell underwent arthroscopic surgery Monday to remove loose bodies from his left elbow. The surgery went according to plan per a press release from the Rays, and Snell is expected to return to action sometime in early to mid-September. ESPN's Buster Olney is reporting that the Indians, quote, continue to evaluate possible trade scenarios involving Trevor Bauer. This is obviously coming after Bauer launched a baseball into the center field stands in Kansas City when he was pulled by manager Terry Francona. He did apologize after the contest. MLB.com's John Morosi reports that the Nationals have shown interest in Rangers reliever Jose Leclerc. And following up on the trade yesterday, the Mets did in fact acquire right-handed pitcher Marcus Stroman for two minor leaguers. The Mets also got cash considerations in return. I'm Ben Strapper, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. BFF's Action Hour is live. He's Frank Stample. I'm Greg Sussman. Thanks for tuning in with us here. We have more football news on the way, but a bunch of, uh, some breaking MLB news for you. As Jordan Lyles has been sent over from Pittsburgh Pirates to the Milwaukee Brewers. Lyles is supposed to start tonight for the Pirates. Obviously, he won't. He heads to Milwaukee, not sure of the return yet. He helps that rotation immediately, Frank. Maybe. Maybe he helps, does he? I don't know. He hasn't really pitched well as of late, but the Milwaukee Brewers, man, they've been trying to get their hands on any types of uh, any type of pitching that they can they possibly can. They need some length. Uh, you know, they have guys like Chase Anderson going. He's not going very deep into games. While he has pitched well, he's just not going very uh, deep into games. You know, and losing uh, losing Brandon Woodruff is just that was just a huge blow to the Milwaukee Brewers as he was pitching so well earlier on in the season. So they have a void. You know, I, I still think that they're going to be active. They might even bring in some more starting pitching. I've seen them link to Robbie Ray as well. So uh, it'll see, we'll, we'll see what they do ultimately. But um, you know, this is a team that has a great offense, a great lineup, but they kind of see things slipping away here in the National League Central because they cannot get anything from their starting pitchers. And honestly, Greg, I don't know that Jordan Lyles is going to help all that much. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a low-cost acquisition by the Brewers. They gave yep. up uh, Cody Ponce. I don't know who that is. I've so got nothing. Probably is not very much. Listen, as we both know, being Yankee fans, pitching is hard to come by. I think it bears mentioning the Marcus Stroman trade from yesterday, right? Because that was a big-time trade, of course, uh, by the Mets. And the Mets, uh, out of nowhere, really acquired Marcus Stroman for uh, two of their pitching prospects. Everywhere I've read actually said the Mets uh, – did very, very well in this trade that the pitchers they gave up, Anthony Kay and then the 18 year old, uh, they could be good, but neither are a top 100 guy, neither are like an uh, upper minors guy, neither are a guarantee. They did well to get Stroman for that price. Um, how does Marco Stroman fit in with the Mets and the Mets plan? 
actually don't really like this fit for Marcus Stroman. And like everybody yesterday, I was kind of dumbfounded by this trade. And I actually tweeted out, drink, Greg, that it wouldn't surprise me if the Mets only made this trade so that the Yankees can't have Marcus Stroman. Like, ha we took Marcus Stroman from you. Joke's on you. But is it? I guess we'll find out. But uh, overall, I've, I've heard a lot of similar things about the prospects that you mentioned, Greg. The 18-year-old obviously has a lot more upside, but he's still further away. I think he's only, you know, he's 18. only pitching at a single A yep. as of now. And then Anthony Kay, uh, they're basically polar opposites. He's 24 years old but doesn't have a ton of upside. He projects more as like a mid to back end of your rotation starting pitcher. So the Blue Jays have a lot of prospects right now. They have a really good farm system in terms of hitting. They needed more pitching. So you know they get one guy who maybe doesn't have the highest ceiling, but he has a safer floor in Anthony Kay. And then with the uh, the other pitcher that they acquired, uh, he has a higher upside, but he is further away. So we'll see what happens with that overall. I don't like the fit for the Mets because while Marcus Stroman has, has done a great job of limiting home runs this year, we all know that he is one of the best ground ball pitchers in baseball. The Mets have something like a top five worst infield defense based on a lot of advanced metrics and analytics. Uh, so their infield defense isn't good, and they just acquired a ground ball starting pitcher. So... I guess we'll see how this works out and whether or not they're still selling guys like Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard now during the deadline. I don't really get it. I mean, it's kind of baffling to be honest, Greg. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me either. I was trying to talk it out this morning and I was thinking that you get Stroman in for next year, you trade away Wheeler right now, you replenish the prospects, right? And you basically just replace Wheeler with Stroman. And then next year, you have a very similar rotation. You just replace, again, Wheeler with Stroman. And if you want to... They couldn't do anything with that rotation this year. Or you get the qualifying offer with Wheeler, and you have an extra piece for this year. You make a little bit of a push. And then next year, you can trade Stroman away and get pieces back. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, it's a weird spot to be in. I, I don't have a problem with the Mets making trades for players that can help them win now. I actually said this last week when I did my spot with uh, Craig Mish on FST here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, but when you sign Jacob deGrom to that monster contract extension, you need to take advantage of having a player like that on your team. As we're seeing all around baseball, teams that want to compete, a lot of them don't have a front-line starting pitcher. The Yankees, most notably, do not have a front-line starting pitcher. The Mets, they do. They Potentially could have two or three frontline starting pitchers for whatever reason. Zach Wheeler and Syndergaard have not worked out so far this year, but Jacob DeGrom has, and he's still a really, really good pitcher and probably still one of the five best starting pitchers in baseball. You need to maximize the window that you have now with Jacob DeGrom on this team. So I get they can go for it next year and, you know, they trade for Stroman, but if that's the case, then. They shouldn't really be looking into trading Edwin Diaz, or at least that's what I believe. Right. You could trade away Wheeler. You could trade away expiring contracts. Todd Frazier, that's fine. Jason Vargas, okay, whatever. That doesn't matter. But ideally, you'd want to keep Edwin Diaz around. You'd want to have a really good closer for next year. You would want to build off that top three of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, did they acquire Stroman just to flip him? I don't doesn't think so. It doesn't seem that way. Like everything so far that we've heard from people close to this, and a lot of national baseball writers have said, Everything looks like the Mets are going to keep Stroman around right now. So if they keep Stroman, but they trade away guys like Syndergaard and Wheeler and Edwin Diaz, then those things don't really mesh well together. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like that would be the correct plan of action here for the New York Mets. But it's the New York Mets, so I guess 
nothing can really surprise us anymore, Greg. If they end up trading Syndergaard, Wheeler, and Edwin Diaz, that would remind me a lot of, honestly, Greg, what the New York Giants have done. Like, not really having a clear-cut plan. Like, what is the plan for the future? And if the Mets do that, then I think that they're basically telling us, like, they don't really know. They don't know what they're doing. They, I mean, now with this trade and the Cano trade in the offseason, they basically have sold their farm system. But they're not a team that's competing, so it's kind of weird. Normally, teams that sell their farm system away, the Cubs sold their entire farm system away. They won the World Series. Okay, that's fine. I mean, the Yankees are hopeful to do that. They're probably going to get rid of a lot of their prospects. But they're a lot closer to winning a World Series than the Mets are. No doubt about it. Or at least I think so. I hope so. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a weird a, spot for the Mets to be in. Had a great weekend, Frank. No, at, at, least, uh, at least we got one last night. We, at least they, they got one last night. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. BFFs, Greg Sussman, Frankie Stample, and Mr. Stample. We were going to get into the Miami running back situation, the, the Miami Dolphins, but they just made a move that kind of affects what's going on. Yeah, they just changed their offensive line coach because apparently uh, the gentleman that they had before was not picking up on the scheme that they're trying to put together right now with Tad O'Shea now calling the plays for the Miami Dolphins, former Patriots Wide receiver coach comes over with Brian Flores, but for whatever reason, they were at a, a disagreement or they just couldn't really figure out how to run the scheme with the current offensive line coach that they had. So they have made a move, Greg. They have made a move. They, uh, it's interesting. Two former guys that work with the Giants, uh, one was the offensive line coach, one was the assistant offensive line coach who has now become the offensive line coach. What it means, I don't know. But interesting nonetheless. Yeah. The offensive line coach that was fired was Pat Flaherty. And the gentleman that they brought in was Dave, I don't know, good luck saying this name. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll go with uh, Dave D. Yeah, that was coming. We'll go with <laughs> Dave D. Uh, I'll just spell it out for anyone at home listening who wants to try. Uh, D-E-G-U-G-L-I-E-L-M-O. D-E-G-U-G-L-I-E-L-M-O. That was your Italian accent. Dave D-E-G-U-G-L-I-E-L-M-O. Would you like to give it a the shot? Go- the Guglielmo. The Guglielmo. David Guglielmo. Okay, that's the guy. That's yeah. the guy who's taking over. Yes. He's the offensive line coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the offensive line that Kalen Balaj will be running behind, Greg. Will it be Kalen Balaj? <laughs> sure seems that way. Kalen yeah. Balaj, uh, every day in practice that we've read, has gotten the first snap, which is traditionally held for the first or the leading running back on the depth chart. Now, Kalen Balaj, I have to ask and wonder... If Chad O'Shea and Brian Flores is bringing the Patriots way with them to Miami, is Kalen Milaj, Sony Michelle, and Kenyon Drake James White? I think that's a fair question to have, Greg. I mean, Kalen Milaj certainly fits that mold of an early down bruiser. He's six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds, but he also caught the ball a decent amount 
at Arizona State as well. He has 82 receptions in his four-year career there. So he's not just a zero in terms of passing. He is a capable receiver. Uh, I think he's very much so in the uh, Derrick Henry mold, that he is a bigger running back who runs upright, but I think actually has some three-down ability. Kalen Balazs is actually a very, very interesting prospect who was basically going undrafted in a lot of drafts that I've seen or maybe like with one of the last-round picks. Uh, that certainly will change now. But either way, look, if you liked Kenyon Drake, Greg, mm-hmm. you can use this as a positive because you had to use a fourth-round pick on him before. Yeah. In drafts over the weekends, Greg, his ADP dropped down to 65. You're getting him now in the sixth round. So if you are a believer in the talent of Kenyon Drake, which there's no denying that. Kenyon Drake is an uber-talented running back. You believe so. I believe so. I do. I have more concerns regarding the Dolphins' offensive line. And so just fired their offensive line coach. And their offense overall. I, I just I think they're going to be an abysmal team, especially if Josh Rosen has the quarterback. and Behind a bad offensive line, they don't have a ton of weapons. Uh, but Kenyon Drake is one of the weapons that they do have. So I think he's very talented, and if they're playing from behind a lot, it probably lends itself to Kenyon Drake being on the field and catching a lot of passes. But I don't really know how this can be something you're excited about, though. If you're a Kenyon Drake owner or someone that was uh, looking to draft him, the fact that Kalen Balazs has taken the first team reps and it looks like he might be the early down back, I can't really help. No, it doesn't help. But as I said, if he's in this James White role, and the Dolphins are going to be as terrible as we think they are. He's probably going to be on the field more. He might catch 70 passes. Nothing wrong with that. Pretty good for PPR. Especially now that his, his ADP has dropped. Yeah. I I mean, this is what I was talking about last week, Greg. When we get these reports and ADP just changes so drastically. The fluctuation's crazy. I saw this over the weekend. I, I saw there was a live draft going off somewhere, and someone tweeted off, for those wondering, you know, here's where Kenyon Drake went. It was like late sixth round, and I, and I said, okay. Now, this is... Too much of an overreaction the other way. I thought you know, he was getting talked up a lot. He was starting to sneak into like the late third round, the same place that he was going last year in drafts. But his ADP was still in like that late third, early fourth round range. But for him to drop all the way down now to like the mid-sixth round, to me that's, that's an overreaction. That's, you know, you're going too far the other way now when it comes to Kenyon Drake. So I could get behind him in the sixth round, Greg, especially if you're getting him as like your RB3. 100%. Perfectly fine with that. Totally agree. And I'm buying his talent. I still believe in his talent. That's not changing. There's no doubt that he's a talent. Correct. Player. There's just no doubt in my mind. And hopefully, Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea and this staff in Miami will recognize that, unlike Adam Gaze. I agree. Look, you're not getting anything from me now. I am 10 times more likely to draft Kenyon Drake now at his current ADP than I was a week ago. Great. I'll take it. Will you draft Kalen Balazs? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even you know, with everything that's happening, even with him getting uh, hyped up, his ADP now is still only 121. He's RB45 off the board, going around names like Naheem Hines, LaShawn McCoy, Peyton Barber. So I think that's a fine place to get a running back that could potentially be the starter for his respective team. He might be the guy that gets goal line work too. He is a bigger bodied running back than a Kenyon Drake. You know, I said this when we were previewing the Dolphins, Greg. I said basically everywhere Kenyon Drake has been since high school, he hasn't been featured as a workhorse running back. We had that month stretch yep. in 2017. Great stretch. But he was awesome, and everyone picked him up and was riding him for fantasy football purposes. Yep. Seemed like Adam Gase was tr- finally figuring it out, Craig. But outside of that, last year, again, wasn't used as a workhorse. They decided to use Frank Gore more instead. 
College, he was not used as a workhorse. He had an extensive injury history there. This reminds me a lot of Lamar Miller. I think you brought that up too. We were always clamoring, please give us more Lamar Miller. Dolphins, give us more Lamar Miller. Well, when he ended up in Houston, they gave us more Lamar Miller, but it didn't end up helping his fantasy stock because he just became a less efficient player. So I think that there's just there's something that you know they know about Kenyon Drake that we don't. Either he's injury prone, not good in pass protection, whatever it might be. There, you know, maybe using him for just twelve to fifteen touches per game is a is the best way to maximize his value and keep him healthy. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a lot of those things combined. Ultimately, you're probably right. And Kalen Balaj, if I could draft him as an RB five, six. I was just say four. So you you can get him as your RB five at pick one twenty one, Greg. But that's got to be ch- that's RB forty five off the board. Once the preseason starts, that has to change, right? That number has to go up. Well, if we see him get the first carries in preseason games, that's going to continue. It's going to skyrocket. It's going to skyrocket. Yeah, but that means Kenyon Drake's going to continue to go down then. Which I still love. Would you rather have, let me throw some names out there for you. Yep. Would you rather have Kalen Balaj? And, and listen, this is way, if he's getting picked way later, don't get me wrong. Or Daryl Henderson. In there, just in a vacuum? Like if I had a seventh round pick, who would I take? Daryl Henderson yes. or yes. Kalen Balaj? Yes. I'd probably still take Henderson. I mean, the answer is neither. I would probably take a different running back that's on the board. But I would take Daryl Henderson. Would you rather have Kalen Balaj or Darius Geis? Oh, God. Both teams are going to be terrible. Washington's offensive line is going to be god-awful as well. I still lean Geis. Kalen Balaj or Latavius Murray? Latavius Murray. By landslide. Right, that was a big one. I'll take you. Latavius Murray over any other running back you've mentioned so far. Okay. Yeah. Kalen Milaj or Miles Sanders? Miles Sanders. Okay. Kalen Milaj or Jordan Howard? Jordan Howard. Really? So yeah. both Eagles running backs over. Yes. Really good team, really good offensive line. Kalen Milaj or Jalen Samuels? If I'm the James Conner owner, I would want Jalen Samuels. All right, so but in a vacuum, I would take Bullock. You're out on Kalen Bullock. No, I like him, but don't you don't have to do. take him ahead of any of those names. He's going way later. Right now, you don't. At yeah. some point, you may. How about this one, Greg? Yeah. Kalen Bullock or Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones. Really? Mm-hmm. Everything that we've seen is that Peyton Barber is still the lead running back for this team. I know. I know. Uh, that's the one where I'm like, I'd probably go with Kalen Bullock. Don't worry about that one. All right. Bucks are talking up Andre Ellington, too, if you were worried about that, Greg. I wasn't. And, and uh, undrafted rookie free agent who's getting some hype, Bruce Anderson. What can you tell me about Bruce Anderson, Greg? Absolutely nothing, Frank. He's the third-string running back of the Bucks. Yeah, no, I got that much. Maybe, maybe the starter? Probably not, though. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, what's going on with Derrick Henry in Tennessee? We'll try to figure that out next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire.
We are back here on the BFS. Frank Stample, Greggy Sussman with you on a Monday. The NFL season is now upon us. You can become the eighth person with a million dollars in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament. Setting their lineups using DailyRoto.com's DFS Lineup Optimizer. Become one of the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars playing DFS using DailyRoto.com. If you're playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you are doing it wrong. Head on over and check out their tools for the NFL, MLB, PGA, NBA, NHL, and sports wagering, or get access to all of them with Daily Roto Elite Package. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. You'll see it on the graphic right now. It says ACTION. And you get 10% discount, and you get lineup alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates, fantasy projections, and use of the same Daily Roto lineup optimizers that have produced millions of dollars in DFS winnings. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Frank Sample, Greg Sussman, we're hanging out. It is a Monday afternoon. And Frank, one unheralded piece of information I'd say is that Derek Henry hurt himself on the first day of training camp. After that, he was in a walking boot, but there still doesn't seem to be all that much concern from Derek Henry. Is that a mistake? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I Nobody can find out anything about Derek Henry right now. And I know Ian Rappaport tweeted this that the Titans are not concerned about Derrick Henry, so therefore I guess we shouldn't be concerned about Derrick Henry. But why are they being so quiet about what's going so on here? So coy. You know? Why are they, you know, the guy's in a walking boot. They haven't necessarily said anything that's actually wrong with him, that if he's dealing with a foot injury, an ankle injury, a calf injury, you know, whatever it might be, an Achilles. Like, they haven't mentioned anything. They just say, it's a lower leg injury. But don't worry about it. The guy's in a walking boot, you know, totally normal for the first week of training camp. I don't get it, Craig. I mean, I would be nervous if I drafted this guy already. And, you know, we already had our concerns about how many catches he was going to uh, get this year, how many receptions he was going to have, how much he was going to be used in the in the pass game. We all think that, you know, he's there's a chance that, you know, he, he's going to be a workhorse in terms of carries and he's going to run a lot, potentially lead the league in rushing touchdowns. We saw over the, the final four games of the season – Scored seven rushing touchdowns during that stretch. He averaged almost 22 carries per game. I hope he's fine. Can anybody say for sure? You know that their starting left tackle, uh, Taylor Luan, is out for the first four games of the season because of suspension as well? Yep. It just seems like everything's kind of uh, going downhill very quickly here for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I look at the Tennessee Titans, and this is another team, and I said it before, I really like the under for this team. I don't really think they win many games. You were saying, Frank, anybody, any one of these teams who win the division, I was like, the Titans can't. Like, I really don't like the Titans this year. I don't like anything about the Titans this year. I know they were on the precipice for the playoffs last season, but I don't want... Like, I look where Derrick Henry's going. We talked a lot about this, this range in fantasy football uh, when it comes to the running backs. And Derrick Henry... Uh, is in the mix right after the Devontae Freemans, on Johnson, Marlon Mack, and Aaron Jones. But like for me, like I'd much rather have Josh Jacobs. And then after that, like I probably won't take this group. Like I'm not as high on Derrick Henry. I'm not as high on Mark Ingram as you are. I have no idea what to make of this Denver running back situation with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Ideally, I don't want to mess with that. Then you get a guy like David Montgomery. I, I like James White in PPR leagues, like obviously. Yep. Um I don't know if I love David Montgomery like you do. Like, I don't like these guys. I really don't. The person this affects the most is Dion Lewis, who Obviously. we mentioned is he was going at such an incredible value. He still is. I mean, over the weekend, his ADP was RB51 at pick 138 off the board. And 
it seems like we were all, you know, in agreement with this one. Me, you, EY. Uh, obviously, EY loves the Tennessee Titans. He loves Derrick Henry, but of course. I think you have to be somewhat concerned about this. So hopefully this doesn't drive up Deion Lewis's draft stock too much because I was pretty excited about where we were getting him here. Really, really talented player. We saw it years with the Patriots. Someone who could both run the football and catch the football out of the backfield. Um, so, again, I just hope that his ADP isn't affected too much by this, Greg, because I was enjoying the value that we were getting Deion Lewis at. Yeah. And Deion Lewis still going at a at a nice value. And can he be a cheaper version of some of these other pass catcher wide receivers? Kenny and Drake, who we just spoke about. Um, James White always. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I definitely think so. And obviously, Derrick Henry being banged out will only help him more. Yeah, Naheem Hines, for example, is going 20 picks right. ahead of him. I right. like Naheem Hines. I like Naheem Hines a lot. Should he go 20 picks ahead of Deion Lewis? Probably not. It's funny because when I owned Naheem Hines through the end of last year, like I always wanted to start him. Like I wanted to acquire him. And I always thought he's a guy you could perfectly plug into your flex. Mm-hmm. And he often was not. He often was not. It was frustrating. He had a few big games where he had, like, really big reception totals, but then there were other games. He's game flow dependent. You know, if in games where the Colts are sitting on a lead, they're going to ride with Marlon Mack, and they're just going to try and grind out the clock. We spoke about that when we spoke about, you know, Marlon Mack was last year, I think it was three, three games where he had over 20 carries. Those were games that they won by 14-plus points with the Indianapolis Colts. So we see that with a lot of these satellite running backs or these pass-catching running backs is they are game-flow dependent. That's obviously the case for Naheem Hines. I think Deion Lewis has a more cemented role in in this offense that you know whether the Titans are winning or losing, he should still see anywhere from like 8 to 10 touches per game. And if they're playing from behind, then maybe even more than that. So I think that there's a lot to like about Deion Lewis at, at his current Draft stocks is hopefully uh, with this news about Derrick Henry, he doesn't rise up too much here. And we don't even know what's wrong with Derrick Henry. So it's just weird. So as much as I like Naheem Hines going back there for a moment. So in week 12, he was awesome, right? He, they faced off against Jacksonville. They didn't score a point the Colts because the defense was awesome for the Jags that game. He had nine catches for 50 yards. Oh, my God. Awesome PPR day. Like everybody wants Naheem Hines for this playoff run. In that game, just for the record, he had four carries for five yards. A week later, he had three carries for one yard and caught three passes for 16 yards. Not a good game. Nope. A week later, he had six carries for 19 yards, caught four passes for 45. Eh. Week later, week 15, two, ca- two carries, two yards, four catches for, 40, for 41. That was a 27-carry game for Marlon Mack. A week later, against Tennessee. It's the Giants? Or, or did he not play in that game? He played. I did the Giants already. All right. A week later against Tennessee, thank you, Frankie. Four car- one carry, four yards, three catches, 25. He did not have a touchdown after week four. The upside for Naheem Hines is obviously the nine for 50, but unlike some of these other guys, not using the, not using the red zone at all. That's never going to happen for him. And they just might not- use him as a receiver, but he won't get any real rushing attempts. Even as a receiver, like, they don't utilize him on that goal line. Like, as James uh, White, like, they already have Eric Ebron and Devin Funches. Why, exactly, yeah, why would exactly, they, that's exactly what I was saying. Why would yeah, they yeah, use Naheem yeah. Hines in that? Totally. Like, and they'll use Ebron out of the backfield, as we saw. Basically, you're talking yourself out of Naheem Hines. I think the upside is just capped for Naheem Hines. Yeah, it absolutely is. And even if something were to happen to Mac, it's probably, and we've talked about this, this as well when we did the Colts preview. Spencer Ware. Probably Spencer Ware. Or even Jordan Wilkins on early downs, and then... It's not just going to be like Naheem Hines. He's a smaller guy, so he's a really good pass catcher. I think he's a talented player, but you can argue like where he's going right now 
is not the best value for Naheem Hines. I, I think he finished as a top 30 running back last year in PPR just because he caught a ton of passes. But it really is game flow dependent. Look at other players that are going in that range. They, they probably just have more standalone value. Kalen Balaz is going in that range. Who would you rather have, Greg? You'd rather have Kalen Balaz or Naheem Hines? I, th- I think I'd probably have Kalen Balaz. I'd rather have Kalen Balaz. Yeah, I mean, he, you, that's a starting running back. You might have a starting running back on your hands. I know. Would you rather have Damian Harris or Naheem Hines? I knew that one was coming. So we, I was almost up to him on the list. I'd rather have Kalen Balaz. There's a lot of people in front of Damian Harris. I know you don't necessarily agree with well, that. Uh, Damian Harris versus Naheem Hines. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I'd rather have Kalen Balaz. <laughs> the record over Damian Harris. Okay. Um, over both of them then, basically. Well, I, I, said, I said that before. Yeah. Uh, Naheem Hines versus Damian Harris. I'd rather have... I'd rather have Naheem Hines. I think Damian Harris has a lot of people he has to compete with. Yeah, it's a messy situation. I would rather have Damian Harris just because the Patriots year in and year out are among the leaders in fantasy points scored by running backs just because they have such a great offense. And we know that really at his... At their core, like Belichick and the Patriots, you know, they want to have a strong run game. And, you know, he's one Sony Michelle injury away from being, you know, a potential RB2. That is Damian Harris. So I think that the upside there is a little bit higher for him. I won't argue that Naheem Hines might have a more consistent role if everyone's healthy for New England. Mm-hmm. But I still think, especially for best ball, there's going to be these random games where Damian Harris probably scores like two touchdowns. You won't be able to predict when they happen, but when it comes to best ball, it doesn't really matter when it happens. You just you want those spike weeks. So, I lean I lean Damian Harris. I think the upside is higher. Yeah, I'm still not uh, in nearly uh, on Damian Harris as I guess some other people are, which is whatever. Well, that makes sense if you're a Sony Michelle guy. You know, I am. you have to remain consistent in your in I, your thought I, process. I try to be. Yeah, I try to be. Um, last piece of football notes before we get into our best bets uh, forever coming up after the break. John Harbaugh uh, gave a lot of comments this week um, about the city of Baltimore um, and about Lamar Jackson and. What was interesting was he took the over in rush attempts for Lamar Jackson and scoffed at anybody that thought they were going to limit how much he was going to run the ball. You are excited about Lamar Jackson. You've gotten me excited about Lamar Jackson, and I think some people should be. Now everyone's going to be excited about Lamar Jackson. This, this is why we tell people to draft early, and this is the, these are some of the advantages of drafting earlier, Greg, is before all these – Comments start coming out. All these training camp reports and random videos of someone catching a ball and someone running down the field, even though, you know, they're barely even wearing pads. And before all of that, you can draft the players that you like when you just study what happened last year and what you expect to happen this year when you project forward. But obviously, we were already very excited about Lamar Jackson, but I think more people are going to be excited about Lamar Jackson now. And the same thing with Curtis Samuel, right? We, were, we filmed a, uh, a FanDuel hurry-up video a month ago, Greg, where I gave out some sleepers for, for fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel was one of those sleepers. Now, everybody's getting excited about Curtis Samuel, and I'm not one of those people where I'm saying, like, oh, it's all because of me. I'm, you know, I'm the driving force behind Curtis Samuel. But today we got the report from North Turner that said he's, he's progressing as a route runner. He's becoming a really, really good route runner. Everybody on Twitter today is talking about Curtis Samuel. These are the advantages to drafting early in fantasy football, Greg. You have the advantages and you have your disadvantages. Lamar Jackson, major advantage. Disadvantage, potentially AJ Green. There you go. Not potentially. Yes. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, that time of the week, or day, I should say, is it's time for our best bets forever here on the BFFs. Frank, we had a really good week until Friday last week. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so probably just shouldn't talk about that, Greg. You gotta be, uh, we're honest with the people. We are honest with the people. Uh, entering Friday, you were 4-2 and two, plus 2-0 two and oh in your upset specials. That's 6-2 and two clip. I was 4-3. and three. I gave out a parlay. At plus 169, the Diamondbacks and the Braves on Friday, the Diamondbacks were winning the entire game, blew it in the ninth inning, ended up losing that game, that which cost the parlay at plus 169. That hurts. My upset special was uh, Washington. They had a very close game with the Dodgers. Lost. Your upset special was the Pirates. They're currently on an eight-game losing streak, so I'm assuming that they lost. Uh-huh. And you also had the Kansas City money line. Jake Tunis lost. Houston money line against the Cardinals lost. Oakland money line lost. Someone asked me on Saturday. Someone on Twitter asked me on Saturday for my favorite picks. I gave them two of them, and both of those hit. So that was good. I Worked did. well on a Saturday. So what was our Fridays? Over- not our thing. What was the overall record here? So we were entering Friday. We were ten and five combined, and then we went zero and six on Friday. So that would be ten and eleven on the week. Damn. Just stay away on Fridays, Greg. That's uh, that's that's, that's the lesson to learn here. That's well, it's annoying, Frank. I, I wanted yeah. to uh, I wanted to do much better. I mean, we were for the most part. Well, let's start out today, and let's go through the week on the next start. Can we do that? Let's do it. All right. The Bravos and the Nats. Dallas Keuchel, Patty Corbin. The Nationals are a big favorite in this one. Total sits at nine and a half. Any thoughts? Yes, yeah, should get a pitcher's duel here. Should we'll see what happens. Dallas Keuchel has. Mostly pitched very well so far. He has a 3.5 ERA so far. He is 3-3. Three and three. Patrick Corbin, by the way, Greg, uh, I don't know if you forgot about our little bet, but uh, you're currently crushing me in said bet. Correct. But Patrick Corbin lowers the ERA down to 3.25, has pitched phenomenal. The over-under was 3.75, I believe. Yes, it was. Yeah. For the rest of the season. Uh-huh. So uh, probably kiss that goodbye. Mm-hmm. But, man, I want to I see the under here, right? Like, I like the under a lot. Isn't that what you're supposed to like? Yes. With Patrick Corbin pitching as well as he is, but the Nationals lineup is hot recently. I think they Ricky have, Sanders likes Howard Kendrick tonight a lot. The fourth best OPS over the last seven days for the Washington Nationals. So uh, I, I feel like it might be a it might be a trap game, Greg. Might be a don't be a sucker bet. The under nine and a half. I like the under nine and a half. Is that one of your best bets? I'm going to stay away there. I like the 9.5. It's one of my best bets for tonight. All right. Atlanta, Washington, under 9.5. That is Greggy Sussman. Mm-hmm. What do we got next? Up next, the D-backs, the Marlins, Caleb Smith, Merrill Kelly. It is a pick with the total sitting at 7.5, Frank. Yes, it is. And Caleb Smith, we uh, we rode the hot hand last week. Sure we used did. him against the White Sox. That's in money right. line. Mm-hmm. Caleb Smith. Lowers the ERA to 3.30. 
on the season. Merrill Kelly, a 4.22. He's been very inconsistent this year, but he should be able to have success tonight going up against the Marlins, who have a 280 weighted on base average, Greg. That is ranked 30th in baseball. I got to figure out what I want to do here. It's nice that it's a pick em. It's nice that it's a pick em. Yeah. But the Marlins are not good. The Diamondbacks lineup is obviously better than the Marlins lineup. This is dirty, too. This might be a sucker bet. I'm going to go under the 7.5. I understand that it's a low total here, but I did the same thing last week with, I believe it was Ronaldo Lopez and Caleb Smith or something like that. Uh, and it's a low number, but it's in Marlins Park, the big ballpark. I think Merrill Kelly could have some success there against this Marlins lineup. Garrett Cooper is extremely cold. I know this because I have him on basically all my fantasy teams. And I think Caleb Smith should do enough in terms of limiting the Diamondbacks lineup. It's a low number, but I'm going under. Miami and Arizona under 7.5. That's a really low number, Frankie. It is. I can't support it. I If I had to choose a side, I would go with Miami. I'd also go with Miami tonight if I had to choose a side. The Diamondbacks have gotten cold as they get close to the deadline, which is on Wednesday. We'll have a deadline show for you on Wednesday, which will be fun. Um, it's almost like we're learning nothing, Greg. In, in today's environment of baseball, we probably shouldn't be taking unders. But we're both taking unders. Best bets for each of us. That's it. Yeah. That is correct. Our first two games. You don't, you don't normally see our best bets in the first two games of the night. You don't. A couple more games for you. The Blue Jays and the Royals. Brad Keller on the mound. Top and own as well for the Blue Jays. Minus 130 of the Royals tonight. Nine and a half is the total here as well. Yeah, Brad Keller has actually pitched a lot Pretty well. better yeah. recently. The yeah. total is at nine and a half here. Can't really tell you anything about uh, Pannone of the Toronto Blue Jays. Bo Bichette making his debut tonight. Long-awaited debut for fantasy baseball owners and for Blue Jays fans alike. It's not a best bet of mine, but I like the Kansas City Royals money line tonight, Greg, at minus 130. I also like the Kansas City Royals money line tonight at minus 130. The Blue Jays are 27th this season and weighted on base average against right-handed pitching. But tonight may feature the debut of Bo Bichette. It's not May. It's, yeah, it's, he's in the it's happening. He's in the lineup tonight. Well, they haven't released the lineup yet, but they said yesterday that he will be promoted and he will be in the lineup Monday. Okay, so it will feature the debut of Bo Bichette. Are you going to really pick against Bo Bichette in his MLB debut? Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's not a best bet, but I do like it. Okay. I like the uh, the Royals' money line. I wish that there was something here that I could parlay it with. Because <sighs> Corbin and the Nationals are minus 156 on the night, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Braves and Dallas Keiko won. We haven't got to this game yet, but, like, I made Berea minus 270 against the Tigers. Jordan Zimmerman's a you know, dumpster fire, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jaime Berea doesn't pitch well either. So I, I don't think the Angels should be that big of a favorite there. There's nothing that I like enough to parlay this uh, Brad Keller with. So if I was taking it, I, w- I would just take the Royals' money. So line. is it one of your best bets? Would you like to change your opinion and make it one of your best bets? Uh, no. no. Kenta Maeda, Johnny Gray, the Dodgers on the mat are on the road in Colorado, totals 13. Isn't this kind of weird, Frank, the Dodgers are only minus 128 in this one? Like, what are we missing here? John Gray has pitched mostly well recently. He you know, can still have those blow-up games at times. Yeah, this is an interesting one because the uh, obviously the Dodgers are just a much better team overall than the Colorado Rockies. Into my eight, a 7-7 seven and seven with a 3.8 ERA on the season. John Gray, 9-7 with a 4.05. So based on the two pitchers that are pitching tonight and the numbers I just read, you probably should feel okay about the under 13, but I've, I've learned my lesson about uh-huh. taking unders in Coors Field. I'm yes. not touching that. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess on paper you probably should just really like the minus one twenty eight for the Dodgers, right? Like maybe sure. this is something you put together with the, with the Royals. Trying to figure out what I'm missing here. So you can get the Dodgers and Royals together. You parlay those at plus two fifteen, Greg. What do you think about that? That's something I can interest you in. No, I'm definitely not interested in that parlay at anyway. But I'm trying to figure out if this is the sucker bet of the night, Frank. Because I feel like it is. Maybe John Gray has pitched really well. That's what. This year. That's what I'm trying to exactly look up as we speak. So we'll pull up John Gray splits here and figure out how he's pitched against the so Dodgers. And it has been he's made two starts, Greg, twelve and two thirds innings pitched, seven earned runs, a four point nine seven ERA for John Gray against the Dodgers this season. Why? Is- maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Kenta Maeda gets destroyed whenever he faces the Dodgers. Rockies. Rockies, yes, that is correct. He is in Coors Field. He was in Coors Field at the end of June, went four and a third, allowed two runs. Not terrible. He was in Colorado the first week of April, allowed one run over five innings. He's made three starts against them this year and has a 2.76 ERA. I don't think we're missing anything here, Greg. I think we are. It just, it just <laughs> we just don't easy. know what it is? It just seems too easy to me. Yeah. What's Sean Gray done in his last few starts, Frank? Uh, well, I pulled up Kent's my page. Let's see here. John Gray, his last couple of starts. July 24th, four innings pitched, one earned run. July 17th, five and a third innings pitched, six earned runs. July 12th against the Reds, seven innings pitched, two earned runs. July 6th at Arizona, five innings pitched, three earned runs. So, basically, your normal John Gray mix bag. I have to stay away. The last away. time he faced them was June 29th, six and two-thirds, and he pitched two earned runs. Like, it just seems too good to be true to take the Dodgers. It just, I'm staying away, Frank. That's ultimately what it is. It's All too right. good to be true. It's well, too easy. I'll be a sucker. This is a sucker bet. I'm telling you right Los now. Angeles Dodgers money line. I'm telling you right now, this is a sucker bet. Maybe it's where, – where did they play last? Maybe they tra- had to travel across the country or something? There might be a trend about them, like, on a road trip or something? I will look that up right now. Yesterday they were oh they were in Washington so they're traveling from Washington to Colorado cross country, but it was you know it was a one o'clock game I watched that game very good game Strasburg against Bueller, so I had enough time to like get out get out of there in, in a timely fashion get to Colorado. Is there a chance that the line is just off here? It's a sucker bet, Frank. All right, well hopefully it's not. You're wrong, and I'm right. I'm telling you, it because is. it's one of my best bets. Angels and Tigers. Jaime Berea, Jordan Zimmerman. The Angels are a monstrous favorite at home against the Tigers. Jordan Zimmerman, uh, yeah, plus two twenty. He's um, not good. Has not pitched well. Everything I said earlier on in the season about you know picking him up. I hope he didn't do that because uh, Jordan Zimmerman, man, this is one of the worst pitcher contracts I've seen given out in a while. And there, there's a lot of there's a lot of these that happen. It's you know these middling starting pitchers that get these, you know they're getting paid like they're number two starters, but they're really not. Normally those contracts don't work out. It certainly didn't here for the Detroit Tigers, and uh, well, it worked out well for Jordan Zimmerman, but not the Tigers. And Jaime Berea hasn't pitched well, but I mean against the Tigers, you have to like the Angels tonight. But that number is just too big. It's minus two sixty. The total's ten and a half. Like the over ten and a half might be interesting here. But the thing is, I don't know if I trust the Tigers enough to score runs. I think I'm streaming Jaime Berea in a league or two. I'm not touching this. Just because the Tigers are that bad, Greg. 
Not touching this. Frame. Final game of the night actually just got added to uh, added to the mix here. It wasn't on the board a second ago. It just it's popped not, up. It's, yeah, it's Chris Paddock and the Padres taking on David Hess and the Orioles. Padres are minus two seventy tonight. Yeah, minus two seventy. Big favorites here. Obviously, Chris Paddock like him a lot for DFS tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles lineup that could potentially uh, be moving. Jonathan VR. I saw there was a report earlier that the Cubs were He's interested. He's very hot right now. And uh, Trey Mancini as well. Teams are interested in uh, Trey Mancini. So we'll see if any of those people end up in the lineup. Maybe that's why it took so long for this to pop up that they were worried about potential trades going down here. Eight and a half. Now, I, I would want to take the over just because it's a low number. I, I trust the Padres to score runs against David Hess, but I don't trust the Orioles really to do much against Paddock. So... If you do anything with the Royals, you probably are using them as like a one or two, a two or three leg parlay uh, because obviously they're just such a big number at minus 270. You can put them and the Angels together at minus 109. What do you think about that, Greg? Angels and Padres money line. No. Parlay together at minus 109. No. Nope. Nope. All right. Just thought I'd bring it up. They're the two biggest favorites on the board. parlay guy like you are. I don't uh, like yeah, that. I mean, there's a few times like there's things that speak to me. They speak to you? Speak to me, yeah, speak on to the you? board. And then uh, I hit on one parlay last week. And I would have hit on the other one if the diamond, if Greg Holland didn't blow it. Greg Holland, by the way, removed from the closer's role, Greg. I saw that. A lot of speculation that Yuan Lopez will be the closer. Who Brad Ziegler told us Brad about Ziegler in March. told us about during the NFBC draft. That's correct. Which is so, really, really cool. Uh, yeah, if you need some saves, obviously with the Sergio Romo trade from over the weekend, Nick Anderson first and foremost, go out there and get him. But next up, Juan Lopez, if you need saves for fantasy baseball, that's your guy. Just want to note, Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, that game is not on the board due to, we don't know who's going to start Pittsburgh tonight, uh, given the trade of Jordan Lyles True. to Milwaukee. All right, that's it. We're done. Tomorrow, Eric Young rejoins the program, I think. Maybe? I think. We, we think. think. We, we, we think so. So it'll be great to have you I back. And fantasy-wise, we go round by round. Betting-wise, we'll see what we're doing. I want to thank everybody downstairs, Danny, Chris, and Andy. He's Frank. I'm Greg. Have a fantastic rest of your afternoon. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. What did I miss? What did I miss? Here's what you missed on the BFFs. Jameson Crowder right now, basically free in drafts going at around pick 160, wide receiver 59 off the board. Look, he's always had talent, and we I think we've always wanted Jameson Crowder to be more than he's actually been so far, but you know, he dealt with foot and ankle injuries last year, maybe even the year before as well. So this is a really, really uh, concerning sign here for uh, Jameson Crowder and the Jets' offense overall. This isn't a team that has a ton of depth. So they had their wide res- their three wide receiver set was Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder, Quincy Anunwa, and, and I think after that we're looking at like Deontay Burnett, who was a teammate of Sam Darnold at USC, flashed a little bit at times last year, but still kind of skeptical about what he is at the NFL level. So we're gonna have to see here. Uh, if the Jets do anything, if they make a corresponding move, I've I've seen some 
you know, Jets people on Twitter are already talking about, you know, potentially signing some veterans that are still available as some depth. Uh, but I guess that is going to depend on how serious this Crowder injury is. So, again, he's going for an MRI on his foot. He's dealt with these injuries in the past. Obviously, for, you know, Quincy Nunwa, if he goes back into the slot now, and that helps him a ton, I, you know, I think that Adam Gase's offense is somewhat, is one that features the slot wide receiver a decent amount. And we've seen Quincy Nunwa have uh, success there. And for Robbie Anderson... Greg, if you remember, part of the reason I was skeptical of him was because there were a lot of targets around. Well, one of them goes down, that means there's more available to go Robbie Anderson's way. So, you know, for those people that are buying in on uh, Robbie Anderson, if he can stay healthy, everyone around him is kind of injury prone. Inuno's been injury prone. Crowder's been injury prone. If anything happens to those two guys, I mean, we saw what his upside could be in that final month of the season last year. Absolutely. And now Quincy Inunua, uh, I he's been a bit of a forgotten man, I think, thus this far this offseason uh, for the Jets. He's had some success. He's a really big target for Sam Darnold. And I remember we were all aboard the Inunua train when everybody went down for this Jets team. It was that first game of the season against the Lions where he was heavily targeted and had a really, really big game. So we thought that he would have a big role for PPR. Didn't really come to fruition. It didn't, ultimately. Um I think Robbie Anderson's still by far the most talented wide receiver, and I think, theoretically, Adam Gaze should get the best out of him. And he should be able to, to play pitch and catch with Sam Darnold and Adam Gase. And that's, that's, that's Robbie a dangerous Anderson. game you're playing there, Greg. I know. Adam Gase, trusting Adam Gase. I know. But I, I understand why Robbie Anderson I like Robbie is Anderson. Going where he's going. I was a little bit more skeptical. Again, they brought in, they also brought in Le'Veon Bell. Like, they didn't have a running back of that caliber last year that would demand as many targets as Le'Veon Bell would, or, you know, a running back that they can use as a wide receiver. They can even use Ty Montgomery as a wide receiver if that's something that they wanted to mess around with. So, I just think, again, there's a lot of targets on this Jets offense, and I don't want to have a lot of faith in Adam Gase overall. I think Sam Darnold is a promising young quarterback, but he only did it over the final four weeks. It's something that he has to build upon. 